1: It's time for the opening, the, the, the opening drive. All right, so Dan, three and 10. The Bears right now are slated to draft third. <laughs> that gives you a lot of options. I don't see it getting any worse or better depending on your perspective. Frankly, I don't think the Bears are going to win again. I, I just look at what's going on. And so that will leave them drafting anywhere between second and fourth or fifth at, at the very worst uh, case scenario. You have a lot of options in if you're going to be sitting there trading down and following the 49ers and Dolphins model and stockpiling uh, draft picks to use as as capital to get either Pro Bowl caliber players and difference makers into your building and organization or drafting intelligently, one would hope with uh, that high of a pick and getting impact players like uh, a defensive end edge rusher like Will Anderson or a disruptive defensive tackle like a Jalen Carter. There are a lot of things that will continue to be discussed and addressed before the April draft. What do you think overall though about being there and what that implies and maybe what's being assumed? Well, I have a
0: few different lanes that I'd like to take this down if you're willing to indulge me. But first thing that you mentioned is that the Bears are now sitting in the number three slot. They started their bye week in the number two slot and then they took the week off and the Broncos lost again and and, and leapfrogged them on the draft board and got up to number two. And it, it opens the door for these conversations where I read something uh, that uh, a friend texted to me that Kyler Murray's injury was good for the Bears because the Cardinals play the Broncos next. And if the Broncos can steal a win that the Bears won't steal against the Eagles, the Bears can come back again and leap frog the, the the broncos and get back to that number two slot and and it just makes me scratch my head and say what world are we living in here where this has become this this sort of obsession on 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 where this team can go um the first path i'll take you down is the one that you know i just struggled with with the celebration of the bears failures and the presumed result of what one of those top picks will get you. I think we're taking a lot of leaps to – Believe that they are going to turn it into what the Dolphins turned it into, right? And, and being able to package picks and, and get a whole slew of picks and turn those in to a trade for Tyreek Hill, a trade up on the draft board to get Jalen Waddle, a trade in next year's first rounder to get Bradley Chubb, and just assume that the Bears are going to come out of this hall with you know two playmaking receivers and a and a premier uh, edge rusher. And, and and history tells you that's not the case. I went through a couple things historically, David, and I'll bring a couple of these up and get your reaction. The first thing is this: 2021 this is last season the all pro team there were 56 players chosen as either a first team or second team all pro in 2021 four of those players were top five picks okay so it tells you that there's 52 other guys that were good enough to earn all pro honors that didn't need to be selected in the top five of a draft you can find guys in a lot of different places only two of those other 56 you know you take away the four and then you've got 52 left were top 10 picks and one of those was roquan smith And and, and so, so you look at some of these things, the bears actually drafted an all pro guy and then they couldn't get him to a second contract and he's no longer part of their plans. And they're, they're reestablishing things here. That's just part of that. I'll get your reaction to that because that surprised me as I went through that list and wrote down the draft order and and where all these guys were taken. And and for only four of 56 all pros last season to be top five picks kind of blew my mind.
1: See, I think a lot of people would interpret that as uh, that's why the draft process is so flawed and I might counter that by saying that to me shows how sophisticated the draft process really is because if you are developing players that are taken deeper in the draft, which I think the numbers show that you, that, that are definitely, that's definitely happening in the NFL. It shows that the, there you you trust your organization to find those players, whether it's in the latter portion of the first round or the second or third round, or in the bears case, I mean, they lost a, a pro bowl caliber safety who was having a pro bowl worthy season in Eddie Jackson, who was drafted in the fourth round. So I think when you look at, the variety of ways that you can supplement uh, your roster with talent that I think that it shows you that there's no get There's nothing guaranteed by drafting in the top five, because we have for every example of a guy that does make it or that a team that does take advantage of that spot, there are enough examples of of misses and we don't have to go through all of those. The other, the other thing I think is interesting too, is, is, this bears repeating because this year's draft and every year is different. 2021. And it was, it was a draft where, or not necessarily last April, but the one before where you would have teams wanting to move up because the quarterbacks, there were going to be five that people wanted and could get yeah. themselves into getting in the top five this year so far. And it may change, but I'd be surprised CJ Stroud, Bryce Young and the Kentucky kid Levis are not the kind of guys that you're going to have to necessarily get a King's ransom for. That's also going to change the dynamic.
0: People get excited about quarterbacks and I mean front office execs and teams that are, are needy and they talk themselves into things and they get desperate. And there's a chance that you're gonna be able to leverage that pick, but it's just a chance. And I think in some circles that this this number two or number three overall pick has been celebrated as if it's the Powerball jackpot. And in my opinion, it's it's like the winner of a scratch off that you get at your Christmas dinner and it's on your plate and you scratch it off and you go, Hey, I got three snowmen. I guess just got fifty dollars that I can go cash in at the seven eleven. Right. And there's a big difference between the Powerball jackpot. And those fifty dollars. And so I think people need to, to, to just wrap their brains around the idea that this isn't this isn't a promised uh treasure chest that you're opening up when you get these pick and there's worlds of examples we're gonna have plenty of time in january february march to talk about some of this but i did also go back through uh the drafts from 2011 to 2021 and just kind of to get my brain around some of these trades that were trades up for quarterbacks right and, and and teams that netted a whole ton of picks from other teams that were coming up to get a quarterback um one example here and this this leads me down the other road I wanted to go down was in 2012 and it was the uh, Redskins trade up with the Rams to go get RG3. At the time it was Luck in RG3, luck in RG3, luck in RG3, two can't-miss quarterback prospects. you got to go get one of those. And the Redskins went up and gave up a ton of picks to get them. And St. Louis walked out of there with this, this wallet of currency that everyone's hoping to get. And here's what it ultimately became for them. It became Greg Robinson, Alec Ogletree, Stedman Bailey, Zach Stacey, Isaiah Peed, Michael Brockers, Janoris Jenkins, and Rakibius Watkins. Fine. <laughs> it wasn't anything that, that propelled them into the, the, the era where they won the Super Bowl. It was just a nice net of a, a bunch of swings at guys, some of them who worked out and some of them who didn't. And, and, and so that's kind of what you're looking at. I would bring up that year also because the Vikings that season were selecting number three overall. And they ended up trading that pick uh, and, and moving down one slot as the Browns came up for Trent Richardson. It became nothing. <laughs> and, and the Vikings t- turned that into uh, a, a, a number of picks. And they, they wound up taking Matt Khalil, who was going to be their preferred pick if they stayed at number three. And then they, they got Jarius Wright, Robert Blanton, Notre Dame guy for you. And then a they, uh, they used another one of those picks to trade for a veteran cornerback in A.J. Jefferson. And so that trade didn't really get them anything. The other reason I bring that up is because the Vikings won a game on Christmas Eve that year. And I will never forget it as long as I live. They had a six-game losing streak. And in that game, Christian Ponder got concussed and left the game. Adrian Peterson tore his ACL and the Vikings lost the game on Christmas Eve, losing their starting quarterback and their star running back to injury. And Leslie Frazier came to the post-game press conference so elated because his team had finally won for the first time in two months. And there was this giant disconnect in Minnesota about, oh my God, look what just happened. You missed out on the chance to draft number two overall. Look what's going to be, you know, look what the Redskins are going to become and look what you're not going to become. And then you fast forward 10 years and you say, what did the Redskins become and what have the Vikings done? Right? It's a, So it, it's not a problem promise of future success and that one was just interesting to me because i just i will never forget a joe webb toby gerhardt led vikings team upsetting the redskins on on christmas eve and basically ruining christmas for a lot of vikings fans because they they had a slide one slot down the <laughs> draft board
1: i also think this sort of fixation on on trading down which certainly the Patriots have made popular because Bill Belichick became a legend at doing it and and building his roster that way. And so now is so like, ooh, the trendy GMs and executives trade down when they are have have high draft status. It to me, it almost makes it feel like when you do keep the pick and you do make the pick, there's almost like won't won't there be, somewhat of a letdown in Chicago. If Ryan Poles say he's at three and say he, after all the conversation and, and machinations and everybody kind of speculating up until the draft, he keeps the pick, takes a player, the player develops into, you know, a pro bowl type of a player but initially people would like that but initially there will be a sense of disappointment around chicago that he didn't use that to multiply <laughs> that pick into others and to come up with this draft haul, which as you point out is no guarantee you're going to get the kind of players as the rams example points out as other examples will illustrate it doesn't mean anything so what you got to do is just feel feel know what you want In a player know what you want in a prospect do your work lean into that and have confidence in the pick that you make and you might that might be the smartest thing to do is to stay at two or three or four and to get a player that is going to be somebody that you could envision being part of your organization for the next five to seven to ten years
0: get it right right? That's the demand. Get it right. No matter what you do, get it right. And that's the pressure that Ryan Poles will face. I think there might be some disappointment that they don't turn it into five or six picks spread across a couple drafts. Uh, but I think that disappointment will last about 45 minutes until people can get on YouTube and watch the highlight reel of whatever player they've taken uh, at that point. The other thing I was going to bring up to you, and I'm going to, in this, this list of research I did, rather than go through 11 years worth of drafts for you, I was going to have you pick three years between 2011, 2021. I will tell you what happened with the numbers two and three overall pick and then i will tell you who some of the other stars of the first round of those drafts will be and it'll just give you a a nice little snapshot this is not something i haven't planted the years with you this is like the magician coming out to you you're just a a guest in the audience you can pick any three years and, and we'll go through them
1: okay simon the magician how about 2014 2014 the rams took greg robinson at number two overall
0: That was part of uh, the pick that they got the previous year in the Griffin trade. And Blake Bortles was selected at number three overall. Other players taken in the first round uh, in the top five. Khalil Mack was taken in the top five. Uh, You wound up with this is a good one. You wound up with uh, Aaron Donald at 13. Yes, I
1: remember that one.
0: Zach Martin at 16. OBJ at 12. Uh, and Jimmy Ward at 30. So there's other guys there that, that, uh, Anthony Bart, number nine as well. So, so, so the idea that if you fell out of the top three and missed out on Blake Bortles or Greg Robinson, and you couldn't get a, 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 you know, championship fueling playmaker flawed. Give me another year.
1: And then Aaron Donald was at 13 because Kyle Fuller went 14. And that's why I asked about that when 20, the year twenty fourteen. Phil
0: Emery went, was, was losing his mind, right? Trying to get Aaron yeah. Donald to fall one more spot.
1: smartest guy in the room. So how about uh, 2018? 2018,
0: 2018? Okay. Saquon Barkley went number two over all the giants turned out to be a pretty nice pick. Sam Darnold, number three jets mm. came. Flying up the draft board and traded with the Colts to get that pick. The Colts wound up winning in that deal. Here's a couple of the players that they got back. they They traded down three slots, wound up taking Quentin Nelson in the first round, getting Braden Smith at right tackle. Jordan Wilkins, a running back that never really did anything for him, a defensive end, Kimoko, Kimoko Ture. And then they they used a, a pick in the next year's draft to get Rocky Sin, who became a starter for Matt Eberflus. Uh, But but nothing there that tells you number two and over number three over pick was the the jackpot. Some other guys taken in that draft. It's another good one. Uh, you had Roquan Smith at number eight. You had Josh Allen at number seven chubb at five bradley chubb at five quentin nelson at six as we mentioned minka fitzpatrick at 11 duran payne at 13 derwin james at 17 jair alexander 18 calvin ridley 26 dj moore 24 and mvp lamar jackson at 32 so that draft was was actually it was stacked further down the first round than it was at the top and the colts
1: moving out of that spot shows you number one how fixated teams can be on a quarterback because Sam Darnold wasn't, as it turned out, not that guy worth what they gave up. And secondly, it also shows you that what my other point about if you, if you're the Colts, yeah, you moved down because you could, but then you were fixated on picking or you're just not settled, but Quentin Nelson was the best player for your franchise. And you took him and look what happened there. And he was five. So the difference between, two and five six for him and six, six for now he, he was six okay so that that's even it makes a point even stronger so i think no matter where you are if you get the right guy at the right time then it makes a lot of sense well and we're
0: four years later and where are the colts right are they in super bowl contention based on trading away that pick and moving down a couple slots no
1: <laughs> no they still miss andrew luck all right last one let's do uh twenty twenty
0: 2020 chase young went number two to the washington commanders i think they were the football team at the time jeff okuda number three to the lions your your best player picked in that draft is probably joe burrow at number one but you could make the argument for Justin Jefferson down at number 22, CeeDee yeah. Lamb at 17, Justin Herbert at number six, right? And so that none of those teams were picking in the top five. I think the Chargers are pretty happy with Justin Herbert. I think the Cowboys are pretty happy with CeeDee Lamb. I think the, the, the Vikings are a little bit, little bit pleased that they were able to get Justin Jefferson with a pick that they got trading Stefan Diggs away.
1: So these are great examples, and I think it's terrific precedent. I think what it tells me is that it just reconfirms or reaffirms something that i've been saying all along we've both been kind of agreeing here sweating it out whether or not the bears win one of these games and what it does to their draft status and how uh how it may damage their position and, and whatever the case it's not worth the hand wringing it's not worth the angst that is created by the fact that you actually may be able to supply a locker room full of needy professional athletes in search of a victory, that victory, because at some point in time, it does matter. I'm with Sam Mustafer, who said on Monday at, at Howell's Hall, this is a team, whether or not it's about learning how to win, or you see veteran teams that know how to win, winning is what you remember is the object of the exercise if you are a professional athlete. And for the Bears over the final four games, even though it's unlikely to me, it would be good, for them to win a game, regardless of what it means to their draft status.
0: The pushback we get on this, and I understand some of it, and I'm not going to be, you know, sort of uh, slap all of it down, is that what, what does a victory in this season ultimately mean to their big picture hopes? And I, I don't want it to be mistaken that we're overstating that they're going to get one win with a late drive against the, the Lions in Week 17 and suddenly hit a springboard to immediate success in 2023. That's not what any of us are saying. No one is saying that this is going to be a victory that propels them to big picture success. What I've said all along, and particularly as it relates to Justin Fields, who's going to have to be the engine of your next championship football team. I think we all agree on that. The entire city understands that, is that the quicker he can start to build these library, this library and these experiences of, of going and meeting moments and, and excelling under pressure in late game situations, which we all know is what this league is all about. Go down in a close game and make the plays at the end that win, win the football game, the better it's going to be. And I do think those things translate going forward. I do think that if you have three of those in your back pocket and you get in a huddle and we 11 or week 12 of 2023 in a game that you have to win in November and you look around that huddle and the guys see you and say this guy's done it before I believe in him and he himself feels I've done this before we can go down and do this I know what this takes and I know uh, the, the mistakes to avoid and the plays to try and go make and let's let's go get this done the faster you can start to compile those experiences the better it's going to be long term and that's all I'm saying with that I'm not, I'm not no one is saying that a, a win or two down the stretch of this season over the final 10 games was going to suddenly magically turn the bears into winners for 2023 but this quarterback needs to understand situational football he needs yeah. to understand how to get over the hump and meeting moments late in games he's met a lot of moments this year i think you and i both we haven't brought our uh quarterback development tracker up in a long time but i think that needle has moved in the positive direction three or four slots since uh you know the start of october and so don't mistake any of this as, as criticism of justin fields it's just an uh uh I I guess an objective and, and in order for him to go accomplish some of these things as we march forward.
1: Well, it's an acknowledgement that everybody needs frame frame of references, you know, so you need to have uh, multiple frames of reference, if you will. Um, And to suggest otherwise kind of denies the importance or diminishes the importance or value of experience. Experience does matter. And when you have accomplished something before, um, it's going to be easier to accomplish it again. Nobody is trying to say that the core of the, or, or the the peripheral players on this three and 10 bears team is going to be around when they actually have games that are, you know, hanging in the balance that are, are pivotal in the playoff race or games of more significance. That's unrealistic, but I do think the players here now that will be part of that can still benefit from having positive outcomes from games that are close or one possession games or coming back and beating the Packers or coming back and beating whoever. The other thing of it is, Dan, and, and this is something I don't want to spend a ton of time on, but I do find it interesting, and we talked about it a little bit on the Mullion Haas Show. We spend so much time, justifiably so, talking about the mental health of athletes and why it's important and I do think that's progress and this is great uh addition to our sports conversation something that was much different five or ten years ago but if we're going to respect the mental health of athletes we cannot deny what a victory represents to that mental health it definitely for players who have not won a game or experienced victory since October 24th you can't tell me You can't tell me that's not weighing on each and every player in that locker room at Hallis Hall. So if you believe in the value of of and you believe that mental health matters, then how about not, you know, saying that a victory would be bad for this football team? Because it wouldn't because of those, though, what would mean to just being a relief that it would represent and the other things that we talked about.
0: It's a psychological spike for sure. It gives you it gives you energy and positive energy can go a long way if used properly. And uh, you know, I, I to your point, I don't know that they're gonna experience it again. And so then they're gonna walk into the offseason, having had their last victory be in New England in October a, a, in a game that got them to three and four. And if you remember the podcast we did going into Dallas, it was like, Well, what if they pull off this upset in Dallas and they're four and four? And and w- what direction might the season go? It hasn't been that. It hasn't gone that direction. Wow. And so, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about uh and 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 you know and as we talked about last week and and can re-emphasize this week multiple times the ability to test yourself against the eagles who obviously were at the top of their game on sunday and they're 12 and 1 and they haven't slipped up much at all is going to be really fun because i think it's going to going to show ryan polls. Uh, just how far away his roster really is, right? And we've talked about Bill Polian stressing that number of 10 to 12 blue chippers needed to even be in the championship conversation. And and the Bears are nowhere near 10 to 12 right now. And they're going to get a look at a team that's got on both sides of the ball, difference makers that, that that are going to show them, boy, you better get one of them. You better get one of those. You better get one of these guys and and we'll see where they can take it.